Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing today? All right, very good. Second service, this is the remix. I love it. Awesome. I just want to start us off this morning by praying, so if you don't mind bowing your head with me. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you that your presence is here in this place, God. Thank you that no one is here by accident, and that you love each and every single person in this room, that you see them, that you know them. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just open our eyes and our hearts to receive from you today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So like Micah said, my name is Zach Woods. I am the lucky husband of the one and only Claire Woods, who's up here melting faces. Um, I've already started a petition, but I want a show of hands of who thinks that she should audition for The Voice. It's a done deal. Awesome. Petitions in the foyer. Excellent. So Claire and I have been married for a whopping two years. Uh, We're coming out with our third book on uh, marriage. That's a joke for those of you who uh, think this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, Claire and I met in Waco, Texas, and then uh, I asked her out initially and she said no. And we waited, I waited a whole nother year to ask her out uh, while she was receiving from the Lord in the discipleship school. And finally, she said yes, and then we dated for a whole one month in the same city, and then I moved up here to Fort Worth to go to physical therapy school. Um, dated for about two years or so, um, and then uh, got married in May of 2015. I think we have a picture. Might have done that. Might not have. Okay. Um, yeah, there we go. Yes, so good. Um, so I am a physical therapist by trade. For those of you who don't know me, uh, it is, um, yeah. Um, when I came up here to Fort Worth, I uh, was in physical therapy school. And what, one of the things that I loved about PT school is that the entire first year you spend in an intensive anatomy and physiology um, training. It's essentially four hours of lecture every day with labs and everything in between there. And I was just struck and fascinated by the human body. And I just see God's thumb fingerprint all over you and all over me. Every time that I was studying, it was like an act of worship to God. Um, and I also love trivia. That's another one of my big passions. Um, like knowing a lot of random facts. So here's some random facts about the human body for you. In a adult human body, there's about 206 bones. Uh, but a newborn infant actually has 200, about 270. If you lined up end to end all the nerves in your body, it would equal about 45 miles. But if you took the blood vessels, so arteries, veins, capillaries, and you extended them uh, end to end, you would actually have about, in the adult human body, 100,000 miles worth of your cir- of uh, blood vessels. Your circulatory system is massive. It's awesome. And then when we look at the adult human brain, we see that there is about 100 billion nerve cells just in your brain. And amongst those 100 billion nerve cells, there's 100 trillion connections between those nerves. For reference, there's more connections in the nerves in your brain than there are in stars in the Milky Way. You are a miracle. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, and it is, uh, it's a joy to do that for my job. Um, one of the things that I was struck with in anatomy and physiology class was when we were studying the, the cranium, 
uh, I've got a picture of the cranium up here. Um, you see right there uh, that Batman, the yellow part, the Batman-like projection. You say, I'm Batman. <laughs> that right there, right there in the middle, is some, that's called the sphenoid, by the way. And right in there in the middle, uh, next slide is, we've highlighted it in green, but it's something that's called the Selatursica. Selatursica translated means the Turkish saddle. Uh, due to its, uh, due to just the way that it's looking. Right there in the center, you see there's a little depression or a cavity there, and right there is where the pituitary gland sits. The pituitary gland is like a, is, it's a pea-sized gland, but it uh, connects with the hypothalamus and it is in charge of releasing hormones that control the body. A normal functioning uh, pituitary gland uh, controls uh, body temperature regulation, sleep, hunger, thirst, memory, emotional behavior. Now, a properly functioning pituitary gland promotes overall better health and a physiological functioning. But if we have a, a pituitary gland that's, that's too big or it's overgrown or tumored, uh, it, doesn't proper, it doesn't proper the same way that it was intended to. If it's undergrowth or uh, if, it's not filling this, if it's not filling the space, it also underproduces the hormones uh, that control all those physiological functionings. So it can lead to abnormal abnormal uh, body temperature regulation, improper growth, loss of uh, vision, excessive thirst and hunger, pain and weakness. To me, I think that this is beautiful because looking there, I see instead of a saddle where John Wayne sits in and just rides off into the sunset, I see a throne room. I see the throne right there, and just the parallels there between the human body and then our spiritual bodies is something that I think strikes me, and it's an act of worship when I think about these things. So for those of you who hate biology, you're like, I never took a biology class, never wanted to, I'm a music major, English major, whatever, uh, I'll hit you with a little fable. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Uh, she took a, take a bite of like the scalding porridge, is way too hot, burns her mouth, ensuing pain, and then uh, the super cold porridge, uh, disgusting, doesn't eat it, no nourishment there, uh, but she finds the porridge that is, correct, that is right and as it was intended to be. Um, I want to make the case today that the thrones of our heart behave very much the same way as our, uh, the throne or the cella uh, tersica. Um, our hearts were made to have one master, and that master is Jesus. The main point today is that when God is placed on the throne of our hearts, our desires and perspective align with that of God's, allowing us to joyfully respond in the face of temptation. So I want to start with asking and posing a few questions to each of us today. Who is on the throne of your heart? Have you attempted to do like a little dual-seater action here? Have you chosen to compartmentalize um, your throne of your heart and your mind? And is there a place that you haven't let God take his rightful place? As we've unpacked in this sermon series of the beautiful exchange, the beautiful exchange is when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our, as our personal Lord and Savior, and we receive the victory of his over sin and death, and then we also share with him in his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father. And, and essentially, we are giving him our old self and we receive the new self. And I also want to make the point that we've been uh, hammering home over the past few weeks that these are fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruits of the Holy Spirit, and those are, those are produced in a life that is cultivated with God, one that is fostered and one that is cared for. 
Now, as we unpack the last fruit of Holy Spirit today, uh, of self-control, um, I want to let's go ahead and look at the scriptures and see what they say. So the first one is going to be in James 1, 12 through 18. And if you're an overachiever, we're going to immediately go to Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. So the first one, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Keyword their own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now all my overachievers are already there at Ephesians four, twenty through twenty-four. We've got the next one up here. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which bring which brings put off the old self which belongs to your former manner in life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Thank you for your word. We see right here in these two passages this internal conflict, right? When we look at self-control, we notice that there's control involved. So something has to be controlled and something has to be the controller. One is going to be victorious. One will be victorious and the other submissive. The question right here is, who are we going to let be victorious and who are we going to let be submissive here? In these passages, we see that the desires of flesh of men are to be corrupt and they lead to the, and they lead to death. But we see that the new desires of God, or the rightfully placed desires of God, is leading to life and righteousness and holiness. There's a conflict between these two sides. Who is going to win? When we look back at these two passages, I share with you the whole story about the pituitary gland and Goldilocks, uh, because this is the analogy and the parallel that I want to draw between our bodies. When we, when we look at the old self, that can be like the abnormally functioning pituitary gland. And when we look at the new self, that's like the properly functioning one or the master gland. Uh, so we've got a slide of, up of what the old self, um, what we encounter there. And that's irregular body temperature, excessive hunger and thirst, increased pain, weakness, and loss of vision. So these can look at different ways in our spiritual lives. So we're looking at the spiritual life here. Um, with irregular body reg- temperature regulation, is your heart cold and do you lack empathy for other people? Or does your blood boil at the drop of the hat when you know someone cuts you off in traffic or if your spouse or friends don't live up to your expectations? Excessive hunger and thirst, both physically and emotionally, though, uh, are you constantly reaching out to anything and everything to give you satisfaction, whether that be food, uh, authority at work, um, TV, social media, anything, really? Pain, are you easily offended? Are you easily controlled by your emotions? Is it hard for you to forgive those who have wronged you? Weakness. Do you operate in a victim mentality? I mean, do you di- frequently doubt the goodness of God for you and his purpose in your life? 
and loss of vision? Do you lack vision from God in the spheres that he has placed you in and anointed you to be in? Are you walking, and does this uh, walking in obedience to God seem trivial, trivial to you at times? But the new self, or our life with God, when we allow God to take his rightful place on the throne of our lives, what I like to envision is literally God sitting on that little solitarsica in my mind, um, on the throne of my on the throne of my heart and mind. But when we look at body temperature, our hearts are softened to those. We're able to carry the burdens of other people's praying with them, and able to extend that hand to someone who just cut you off in traffic and pray for them instead of any other thing that you might want to do. <laughs> Hunger and thirst. Are we satisfied in our own identity as a son and daughter of the living King? Is that enough for us? Um, are you ha- are you satisfied with the gifts that God has given you and the places that He's put you? Pain. Are we able to forgive those who have wronged us, allowing Jesus Himself to uh, heal those places in our hearts? Or what about weakness? Are we able to stand in the place of temptation and choose righteousness and holiness? Or vision, being able to see temptation as it comes in from the periphery and also head on. And do we have vision for where we are planted and the mission that God has for your life? The juxtaposition between these two things of the old self and new self is this battle. Is this battle, then where that is, is temptation. Is the temptation to sit ourselves onto our throne and make our own way? Or is, are we going to allow God to sit on the throne of our hearts? When I was in, uh, yeah, when I was in school, I just remember seeing these parallels uh, back and forth all throughout the body and my anatomy and physiology uh, training, and I just remember being floored. Uh, there's things like this all throughout the world, and I think that these are good and these are beautiful because they're representations. They, I feel like God is talking to me, and this is a representation of what your spiritual life is like. Put me on the throne. Yeah, so I did want to take a quick second right here and take a step back. And uh, whenever I hear talks on self-control, I typically feel like I hear, this is not what's being communicated, but I feel like I hear like, oh, being passionate being and having like uh, big time desires and dreams is bad. You need to like, you know, die to all, you need to die to all of that. Um, and that's not what I'm saying here. We are created by a God who is passionate and has huge desires and dreams for our lives. You, the desires of your heart that are placed there are good and right. It's just that we have to view them through the lens of God. Who is going to receive glory for these passions and desires? Is it us or is it God? One of my favorite uh, verses that I consistently speak uh, day to day is whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I don't want this to be lost on us as people because that is part of being us, us being created in the image of God. But obviously we know that there's a battle. There's always temptation. No one is separated from temptation from old self and new self. We see so many times in our life where old self wins and new self wins sometimes, but really it's we're wanting to have that master in our throne. As passionate people, we need self-control to be able to uh, control those passions and direct them, uh, direct them through the lens of God so that they can become, come to fruition and be fully actualized. I want to share like a little a little story of uh, of temptation for me. 
Um, because what we, what we so often see is that what we want in a moment or an impulse is what we think is what we truly want. But if we take a step back, we see that that's not exactly what we want. It's a fleeting moment of, of temptation or desire, but it's not what we truly want. As a greeter, I had the pleasure of being out here on Easter Sunday. Um, it was awesome seeing so many people come uh, through the doors, and Christ Fellowship did this amazing thing. They were doing the Lord's work and bringing in pretty much every donut and donut hole in the DFW area and transplanting it right outside by the doors. Um, and I don't know what was happening that day. I think everybody was on their paleo kick or whole 30 or uh, they were doing something, but they were giving the donut guy this stiff arm like crazy. And I felt that it was my personal conviction that I needed to make this guy feel good about himself, man. He was like the donut guy. And I just saw as everybody stiff armed, his face would just get sullen. And I was like, I got you, dude. So I took it upon myself to grab handful after handful of donut holes and, and no lie, by the time that the service was, by the time I was done with my, my greeting duties, I had consumed over 30 donut holes. Thank you. Keep the applause going because I had two full donuts on top of that. Not just the holes, people. Full donut. Now, in that moment, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted that perfect glaze and that fluffy bread. But man, if I had taken a step back, I would have known, man, we're going out to eat later. And I don't want to be sick to my stomach. Our impulses are not necessarily what we truly want and what we truly desire. What I love about this is that every, I know that that's a silly example, but like everybody's been there before, right? And we know, and we know, and what I'm super thankful for is that uh, not only do we go through that, but Jesus went through that himself. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see, this we see this battle between the desires that Jesus was having and the, desires of his, and the desires of his Father. Remember, that's temptation. That's not sin. We see that internal battle, and he asks God if he can forego the cross. Can you imagine if Jesus in that moment said, I'm good, no, 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 no. I'm going to go my own way. We're going to posse up, and we're headed out. There would be no death there would be no burial, there would be no resurrection, there would be no ascension to the right hand of the Father, and therefore no reconciliation for mankind. Jesus was in a moment able to take a step back through the power of God, and he was able to change his perspective. He aligned his heart with that of his father's and then was able, uh, and then was able uh, to move forward. Hebrews later says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. His perspective was a heavenly one. It was an eternal purpose. He knew that the decisions that he was making in the moment had an eternal impact. How many of the decisions in our life do we recognize our eternity-shaping decisions? Allowing God's desires to transcend our own gives us joy moving forward. Despite the road ahead, and no matter what comes your way, God promises joy and power in those moments in the face of temptation. Your ability to choose God to seat himself on the throne and kicking ourselves off. When we look at that, pack, that, when we look at that, um, 
scripture back in James, we see that the desires, um, the desires of the flesh lead to death and lead to destruction, but the desires of God lead to holiness and life everlasting. I don't know about you guys, but I'm on that second. I want to be on that second path. I for so long have tried to be on the, on the throne of my own heart, and I needed God. And I still need God every day. Why is this? This is so hard. And, and the writer James knows this because he, he talks about our desires leading to death. Then desire when it is conceived. And he's talking about our own desires here. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Like I feel like we all know that, but sometimes we have trouble believing it. He later, right after that, says, do not be deceived. He knew that we'd have trouble believing God's goodness even in the moment, because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't necessarily feel good sometimes to choose God's plan over our own. But in the end, we know that the result is so worth it. We need a heavenly perspective and not an earthly one. So how do we, how, if we know this to be true, how can we practically walk this out? Psalms 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How do we delight ourselves in the Lord? I think it's, it's not only prayer and worship and, and living in community, but I think in my life I found that obedience is the key that unlocks self-control. If God tells you to do something, then do it. <laughs> Start small. Uh, and exercising that muscle over time builds up greater self-control and greater joy and greater desire to, to unseat ourselves as we see the fruit of that come forth. This is very much in my line of work. Uh, I have people walk through the door in pain, unable to lift their arm or, or move their leg or get up from a chair. And so we just start small. I'm not asking people to back squat 250 pounds. I just want people to be able to, to start exercising those muscles that helps them stand when it is difficult. Starting small works those muscles in the same way that choosing God over ourselves and choosing his desires over ours. Um, very, very similar there. I wanted to share an example, a personal example of just starting small. Like so many other stories of young men and women in, that find themselves in college or even high school, I struggled with lustful thoughts. Lustful thoughts and desires, and there is a lot of shame and condemnation that comes with that. When you carry that around, it just feels, it's so heavy. And I knew that I needed, and I knew that I needed Jesus to unseat myself and desiring of my desires of the flesh and to be satisfied in that realm. And so I just simply asked, I pictured the throne of my heart and said, Jesus, I've been on it for so long. Would you just take up residency there? It was created by you and for you. And the way that I'm going is leading to destruction and I can feel it. And I want your, I want your path of life. And so I would start small if I was, uh, if I was scrolling through Facebook or, or something like that and innocently thought, you know, maybe I should, you know, check on this person or, or keep scrolling a little further or, or anything like that. I would feel the little, the little still small voice in my heart say, no, you're okay. Just go ahead and turn it off. And so instead of doubting it being like, what? I'm doing, I'm fine. I would just shut the computer and walk away. If I was walking to class and uh, a beautiful girl walked by, instead of taking that second, third look or even uh, trying to get something out of that interaction, what I would do is I would just keep on, I would just keep on moving. I would say, it is victory to choose not to look a second time. 
is victory to look in the second and not to look a second time. I love thinking about those moments uh, because it would build stronger muscle and then when temptation would become even stronger, I would be able to stand a little firmer. I love thinking back to those moments when I would know that I would choose God, even though it was hard in the moment. Because those moments of temptation where the old self and new self collide and there's this battle and this internal struggle, those are moments that are unique to this side of heaven. They're moments that are unique to us that we will never get back when we're with Jesus in heaven. And I love thinking about how uh, I wanted purity so much in my life because I wanted to stand before my wife on our wedding day and not have a bag of cheap thrills that I was bringing into our marriage because that temptation doesn't go away once you get married. You deal with it through the power of Jesus. I want to stand before God one day. I want to stand before God one day without a huge bag of cheap thrills of me choosing my desires over his. This is a unique opportunity. It is my act of worship to choose his desires over my own because I know that there are eternal consequences and there are eternal rewards for the small things and the big things in my life. Sexual temptation or lust might not be your deal. It might be food, uh, social media likes, uh, cutting corners at work, gossip, exaggeration, whatever it is, I believe that Holy Spirit is working on each of us saying that here's those little things where you're sitting in control, where I'm not the master of your life, where you're trying to occupy that celitarsica there uh, for the analogy. If you're trying to occupy that space and it's not working out, I want us to look deeply at those places because we need God to intervene in our life. Obedience is key, and when we start kicking ourselves off the throne, it frees up God to move in power. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Zacchaeus. Maybe it's because my name is Zach and I'm a little egotistical or something like that. But uh, Zacchaeus was a, was a rich man. Uh, he had wronged a lot of people. He had cheated his way to the top. Um, and he knew, I believe that he knew in his heart that he was headed towards destruction, that he was living wrong and choosing wrong. But it says that G but Zacchaeus literally wanted, to, he changed his perspective. He ran ahead of where Jesus was going to be, climbed up into a tree just so that he could get a glimpse of Jesus. That sounds like someone who's desperate to me, someone who wants freedom. When Jesus, when he has an encounter with Jesus and he shares a meal with him and he creates that relationship with him, scripture says this in Luke 19. He says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I know sometimes I feel lost. I know sometimes I feel that I need Jesus in the same way that Zacchaeus needs him. And he was willing to look a little foolish. He was willing to admit, hey, I'm a short dude. I need to get up in this tree um, to get a glimpse of Jesus. What are we willing to do? Are we willing just to shut the computer when we, before we go down that road? Are we willing to, are we willing to instantly repent when we start exaggerating or when we, uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, throw some of our coworkers under the bus so that we look a little better? Are we, are we willing to instantly repent and are we willing to instantly get back and choose God to be the master and on our thrones? So circling back, who is on the throne of your heart and of your mind? 
who sits there? Is it you? Are you trying to make yourself at home and the throne feels a little big, but you're going to keep on plowing through? <laughs> or does it feel, uh, or is Jesus there and does it feel right? When we look back at the pituitary gland, abnormally functioning and properly functioning, clearly one of those things is working out. And it was the way that we were in, it was the way that we were intended to live. I believe with God on the throne of our hearts, that is the way that we are intended to live with the new self and our new identity. Now, I know that in a room like this, there can be people here who are kind of like Zacchaeus and are just like, I've heard about this Jesus guy. I want to see him. Um, I would just say, but you, but you don't have a grid for this new and old self. I would say, yeah, I would say that Jesus is who created those longings in your heart. I would say that Jesus is the one who cares and who can give you that fullness of life. The way that we choose on our own, the way that we choose God is an is a offering of praise to him. And so if you've never experienced that before, or if you're tired of trying to do this all on your own, I'd encourage you, grab somebody, ask a question, but don't leave here today um, without having or at least seeking uh, answers to your questions. And for the rest of us who have experienced that beautiful exchange and are still working through this temptation, God knows it, and he loves us in our humanity. He understands that we're going to fail sometimes, and he understands that we're going to be victorious sometimes, and he loves us all the way through. So I just encourage you, whatever it is, Whatever you're lacking self-control or wherever you notice that you're sitting on that throne a little, uh, you're getting a little too comfortable on that throne, um, I encourage you, Jesus is worth it. Choosing him in the moment for the lasting impact in the eternity and for those impacts of eternity are so worth it. So as Jamie comes up, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you, Christ Fellowship. And let's be a people of self-control.